Good evening, family of faith. Uh, we're going to start praise and worship, so stand to your feet if you are able.
family of faith this evening. Uh, if you have any youth, 5th to 12th grade, uh, they're going uh, outside. They're going downstairs. Uh, we're going to do tithe and offering after, so if you need an envelope, get it from... Nathan, pray over tithe and offering this morning. we do have one announcement today joy fellowship is this sunday 5 p.m bring a covered dish water is provided as you can tell pastor kyle and amargo are on vacation so we're going to welcome tim lamasters this evening There we go. I think it's, yeah, it's on. It's so exciting to be with you guys in your new building. This is absolutely beautiful, and uh, it, it's absolutely a, a privilege to be here. I don't know uh, if I've ever shared this with you, but I actually have been uh, in ministry with Pastor Kylan for, it's like 15 or 16 years now. I interned for him for seven years and he paid me nothing. So next time he's here, next time he's here, you guys just mentioned, just, just say, you know, that was wrong to just, you know, I think he got me lunch like twice in the seven years we did it. So uh, anyways, I'm kidding. I love Pastor Kylan. Uh, he has uh, been probably, I think it would be safe for me to say, the biggest impact in my walk with Jesus. Uh, he was there for me. And some of, uh, you ever have those just seasons where it's just, you're not sure where Jesus is in the moment. And he's been there for lots of those. He's been there when I've, I, I actually showed up at his house one time in tears because my girlfriend dumped me. And he comforted me 
And then I ended up marrying that girl. So it was all good. You know, it was all good. But I'm just saying, I, we go back a long ways. Um, how many of you know his daughter, Hope? Yeah, so I'm going to tell a story because she's not here to stop me. My first time that I ever saw Hope, this is one of the greatest things I've ever experienced in my life. She was just old enough, I think, to just run real good, you know, without falling. And I went over to their house. This was when I was in the youth group. So I was in his youth group as a student. And I go over to their house for something. I forget when I'm there. I walk in the front door, and his two sons, Ryan and Gavin, which are the older two, uh, Gavin's here tonight, they come running out the hallway and here comes little Hope. She looked like Bam Bam from the Flintstones, just flailing her arms. And she literally just like leaps, like superhuman leaps, and just tackles both of them. Wham! And just starts hauling off on them. Just, and I was like, this girl is crazy. And if you know her, not much has changed. She's still just like that to this day. Um, anyways, I, I love the family. They're amazing. I hope they're having fun wherever they're at, doing whatever they're doing. And I'm here to encourage you guys tonight. That's what I get to do. And to do it, we're going to look at Peter. Peter is one of the most, I, I just, his story in Scripture is just so compelling to me. Because you, you, it's rare you find a guy who has such great highs in his walk with Jesus, but then has some really terrible, terrible lows. Right? Like, it's, it's not very often you get to go with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and then have Jesus call you Satan, you know, like get behind me, Satan, a little bit. Like, like he's a little bit of a roller coaster character, but in that we can find great hope and encouragement. Is it okay if I come down here? Is that all right? All right, good. So what we're going to do is I want to show you where Jesus first calls Peter. Peter is one of the first two disciples that Jesus calls to, to be a disciple. We're going to look at it in one gospel, then we're going to look at it in another gospel, and I'm going to take you to one other story where Peter is, is like the highlighted character, and I want to show you how his failure is good news for us. Right? So in Matthew 4, 19, I'm a, I'm a heavy breather when I talk to you, so the mic's probably going to do that a lot. I apologize. Especially if I look down to read my Bible. I'm going to hold it up like this so that doesn't happen as much. But in Matthew 4.19, Jesus is calling Peter and his brother to come follow him. And this is what he says. It's very simple. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. I'm reading from the NIV. Uh, the King James, I believe, says, uh, Jesus says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I like that version very much too. And here's what I want to show you uh, very quickly. We're going to break this verse down one word at a time and see what we can get from it. And then we're going to look at another version of it. The first word that Jesus says is, is, is well, in the NIV version is, is come. It's come. Follow me. Come, follow me. What does that say to us? It says to us a couple of things. The first thing is this, that you belong with Jesus. That's a very cool thing. And it's going to be even cooler when we get to the end of this story and, and the other Gospels telling of it because we're going to realize that's not where Peter deserved to be. But that's where he belonged. Right? Jesus calls us and he still calls us today. It, the call is very simple. Come, follow me. So we learn from this that we actually belong with Jesus. Why? He created us. He created us. In Ephesians 2 it says that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Your life cannot be separated from Jesus. That's where we literally belong with Jesus. But when Jesus says to Peter, come, that means you have to make a decision. Jesus didn't walk out into the water and snatch Peter by his ear and drag him. 
He, he extended an invitation for Peter to come and participate. We're going to find out how this is incredible when we look at the other Gospels version of this story as well. He says, come follow me. And in the King James Version, he says, and I will make you. I love this part because here's why this is important. Jesus is the one that does the work in you. Amen. You got to catch this. You can't fix yourself. You can't get rid of the stuff that's inside of you. Only Jesus can do that. And I love that Jesus lets them know that. I mean, this is the first time he's calling people to be his disciples. And he's laying it all out right now. Come follow me. You belong with me. By the way, you're following me. I'm not following you. Right? Jesus is the leader here. And he's always going to be the leader. We get to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, and I will. He's promising us. Here's what I want you to know. It doesn't matter if you've been saved, if you've been a Jesus follower for 40 years or four days. Jesus is still making you. Jesus is still doing something in your life. Jesus is still creating in you this life that he intended for you to have, which Jesus would say in, in John 10.10 10, that it's an abundant life. Jesus is constantly leading you deeper and more fully into the abundant life that he has for you. But you're going to find it with him as you follow his lead, right? So he says, I will make you fishers of men. Now you find purpose. We find our belonging with Jesus. We discover that Jesus is the one that's going to make us. He's going to do the work inside of us so that he can send us out to do the work outside of us. We can't get that backwards. We can't think that we do the work in us no, Jesus does the work in us, and then he sends us out where his sent ones, right? And I love this. And again, Ephesians 2.10, Paul says this. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It all lines up. You belong with Jesus because you were created in Jesus. And as you follow Jesus, he's going to make you more like himself and then send you out to go participate in his good work in the world. Are we all on the same page here? This is good news right now. Let's flip over to Luke. See, there it is again. You guys hear that deep? That's not God thundering from heaven. That's just my voice. It's fine. In Luke chapter 5, we find the exact same story, but we get a lot more detail to it. And the detail, I think, is super cool. So in Luke 5, starting in verse 1, again, I'm reading from the NIV. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of, I can't even pronounce that word, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. They were washing their nets because they were done fishing. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, also known as Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking... He said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. 
Let me pause right there. Peter's 100% correct in what he just said. This is, this is where when Jesus calls us to come follow, this is why it's so glorious. Because when Peter says, depart from me, he sees this miracle take place. And his response to it was, I do not deserve to be in your presence because of who I am. And that's absolutely the truth about all of us. And it's also the glory of Jesus. Because Jesus didn't care. Jesus looked at Peter, who's correctly acknowledging he deserves no place with Jesus, and yet he still calls him to come. Why? Because it's where he belongs. It's where he belongs. I want you to know tonight, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Jesus calls you to come. Because Jesus isn't concerned so much with who you were. Jesus is really concerned with the fact that he's going to make you into what you're meant to be. Do you see what I'm saying, church? I love that Peter has this moment where he goes, this is not the right thing for me because of who I am. And Jesus more correctly says, you don't really know who you are, but I do. Right? Come, come, follow me. And this comes on the edge of, can you just check this out? This is so good. Who does this? Peter is a professional fisherman. This is what he does for his living and he's been out there all night, and you know what he's done? He's failed miserably. I love this. Like, check this. Could you just imagine if you were the captain of a boat, but you don't have any fishermen, and you're walking the beach, and you're like, who, I need to hire someone. I need to get somebody on my team. And you're looking. You're like, that guy caught a lot of fish. He might be a good one. That guy's got quite a lot. That guy's not got very many, but he still caught some. This guy, that's the one. He didn't catch a single fish but he's a pro. I want that. Who does that? Nobody but Jesus. Yes. You know what this tells me? Is that the moment of my greatest failure, Jesus says, I'm about to get some glory. I'm about to get, watch what I do with someone who in the eyes, because you got to think, like, think about this. Fishing was one of the dominant, like, professions you could have in their day. Right? It was one of the main jobs you could have. And they're in a pretty public place. And they bring their boats back empty-handed. Everybody else had been out fishing all night too. You know what I'm saying? And they come back and they're showing, everybody can see, well, they got a lot of fish. They got a lot of fish. They're dragging them into the market. And here's good old Peter and his boys just washing their nets out because they just failed miserably at the one thing they're supposed to be good at. Right? And that's the moment that Jesus calls them to follow. So not only is Jesus not worried about your failure or my failure, I love this, Jesus tells him, this thing you just failed at miserably is the exact same thing that I'm going to do with you in a new way. Like, you just failed at fishing, but I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Right? Like, you just, this thing that you think was a failure if you'll just come with me, find this place where you belong, let me do what I'm going to do in your life, watch what I do with you. Do you catch that? Like, I don't know if you've ever felt like a failure, 
But it encourages me, encourages me to know that the Savior that I follow looks at me in my failure and isn't concerned with it because He knows what He's capable of. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about the one that we follow and what He's capable of doing. It doesn't matter if you feel like a failure. It doesn't matter if you feel like you don't deserve what Jesus has come in your way. Jesus is that good that not only will He take someone who's completely undeserving of it, which we all are, and bring us right into His team, but He'll take us at the moment of our greatest weakness, our greatest failure, and say, come, let me show you what to do. And notice that when they obeyed Jesus' word, they caught all the fish. They didn't just catch fish. They caught fish. I've never caught so many fish. My boat started sinking. That was the miraculous thing. So here's, let's go one level deeper here. Not only is Jesus saying, you belong with me, you need to follow me, I'm going to make you something, you're going to go do what you just failed at for me, and you ain't going to fail because look what happens when you obey my word. You didn't catch spit, but one word from me changed the whole scenario, and your boat's sinking, buddy. What can Jesus do with us if we just obey his word? If we just take him at his word and say, but because you said so, Jesus, I'm not deserving. I'm a failure on my own. But because you said so, I'm going to give my all to you. I'm going to go with Jesus. Right? But the story with Peter gets even better. We've got another story that takes place in a boat on the water where Peter fails. But in his failure, he Again, Jesus reveals his glory. And I love this. In Matthew chapter 14, I hope this encourages you guys tonight. Because it encourages me. I get excited just thinking about preaching it, to be honest with you. In Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22, let's check this story out. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, and later that night he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, I just, this is so encouraging. In your moment of fear, you can just know Jesus is immediately telling you, there ain't nothing to be afraid of, I'm right here, right? Like, there ain't nothing to be afraid of. There's so much good little nuggets in this. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter responds, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And Jesus says, come. The first time Jesus called Peter, he said, come. And now, now do you see the parallel here? I love this. Peter's in the boat failing. Jesus goes out. He hears a word from Jesus. And he sees a miracle take place when he's obedient to the word. Right? And then he responds to the call of Jesus. Now we're in a similar situation. He's in a boat. Jesus is walking on water. That's pretty impossible. 
by all human standards. They see him thinking he's a ghost. Jesus reassures, I'm not a ghost, guys. Nothing to be afraid of here. And Peter goes, wait a minute. This is a miracle. If that's really Jesus, this is a miracle. And he says, call me to come out there then. Why? It's my strong belief that the first time Jesus gave Peter a pretty weird instruction... He saw a miracle. It's interesting to me that Peter didn't see him and have the faith to just jump out of the boat. Peter needed a word from Jesus. You see, you see what I'm saying here? Peter looks out of the boat and he sees Jesus doing something impossible. And Peter's response to this is, if that's really Jesus out there doing the impossible, if he tells me to do it, I can come join him out there. I can come do this impossible thing with Jesus if he tells me to. He didn't move until Jesus gave the word. And then Peter gets out, and the part of the story that we hear most often about is Peter gets out there, and he's doing fine at first because his eyes are on Jesus, but then he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he looks at the winds and the waves, and as soon as he does, he starts to sink, and he cries out, and immediately Jesus is right there and rescues him, and they get back into the boat. Right, and we, we pick this up in verse 31. It says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And I like this part. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, we hear about these stories after they've already happened. If you really want to cheat, you could start at the end of the story and go backwards and not be shocked by what happens. But let's put ourselves in the boat for a minute. Let's act like we'd never heard this story. Jesus is doing something impossible. And Peter, who has witnessed his own personal miracle, that's how he came to follow Jesus in the first place, was a word from Jesus that he obeyed and miracles took place. He calls out for a miracle. He, gets, he goes and walks on water. I promise you, if one of you in here stood up and went and found the closest body of water and started walking on it, I think my first reaction would be, how did you do that? That was amazing. What did it feel like to be out on the water? Or maybe my response would be, what did you do? You had it. You were walking on water. Why did you? That's not how they responded, though. They didn't praise Peter for his willingness to get out of the boat, even though he was the only one that did. They didn't even talk to Peter. When Jesus got back in the boat, it says that they bowed down and worshipped him. Why? Because it was all about Jesus. Now, how does this affect me and you today? This is what I think the Lord would want me to share with you. Is that in our lives, it, we're still looking up, seeing Jesus doing impossible things. Whatever's going on in your life, that feels impossible. Jesus is walking on the waters of those things. I want you to grab this with me. No matter what storm is surrounding your life, Jesus is walking on the waters. And when you look up 
and you see Jesus out there, we can take a note from Peter and we can say, if I just get a word from Jesus, I can come join him in this impossible thing that he's doing. Sometimes marriages hit some really bad spots. And it feels like it will be an impossible thing to heal. And Jesus is walking on the waters of that impossible thing to heal. And he will bid you come. He'll bid you come. The story is no different for Peter than it is for us. That if we can focus our eyes on Jesus, all it takes is a word from Jesus. And if we will believe Jesus and we'll get out of the boat like Peter did and we'll keep our eyes, I don't care what the impossible story is that you're surrounded by, what that storm is, Jesus is out there walking on the waters of it. And if you can catch him out there, if you can catch a glimpse, if just enough hope is birthed in your heart that you can see Jesus on the waves of your storm, then you can, like Peter, call out, Jesus, if it's really you, if you can really do this impossible thing, then call me out to this impossible place because I don't know how this is, I don't know how I'm capable of doing this thing unless you call me there with you. Right? That my relationship with my child is so, you know, they're older now and it's just so destroyed and so damaged. I don't see a way for reconciliation to happen between me and my kid. But Jesus, I see you out there on the waves of this storm. I know that you do impossible things. And Jesus, if you'll call me out onto these waves with you, I know that if I get a word from you, I can do it. I can keep my eye on you and you're going to do an impossible thing in my life. If I just know that you're there and I hear your call, then you can do this. I believe in an impossible Jesus. I believe in it in the very core of who I am, that Jesus is absolutely a God of miracles. And what he's waiting for is for you to just have enough hope to see him on your waves and to ask him to call you out there with him. And the beauty of the story of Peter is that he failed again. Sure, he steps on the water, but he takes his eye off Jesus. And the glory of Jesus is that even when we take a step of faith and we mess up, he's right there. He's right there. And I want you to know, church, that I know that some things are difficult. Not every process of healing, of restoration is easy to go through. But he's the good shepherd. And he's restoring our souls. And he's leading us to green pastures and quiet waters. Even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, he's faithful to lead us and to guide us. Jesus is out there. And he is a reconciling God. This is what scripture says. He is a reconciling, restoring God. I don't know what storm is in your life right now. But I know Jesus is walking on it. And Jesus has authority over it. And Jesus is ready to call you out into the impossible with him. I'm going to share a story with you. It's a personal story. Hopefully my... Dad's not watching because I actually didn't ask him for permission to share the story. But I'm going to share it anyways. I think he'll be all right with it. My father and I, our relationship 
Uh, and I'm sharing this for the point of sharing that God is a God that does impossible things. Things that we think are, are hopeless, God, God can do what only he can do in these things. My father and I's relationship uh, got really strained. I got married. That brought some, some tension just because of uh, history. I, I shared with you my, my wife made me cry. She actually dumped me three times. I chased her for seven years. It was really dodgy. I was just very persistent, right? Per patience is a virtue, and I won. Um, but... Uh, you know, it, the, it's hard as a parent to see your kid, you know, get, get crushed multiple times on the path to, to marriage. And so there was, you know, there's some tension there. And then when we got married, and then we ha started having kids. And, you know, everybody's got their expectations of what this is going to And so anyways, long story short, just our, our relationship kind of just kept drifting. And it just, there was like this wedge, right? And it all came to a head one day where I was going to have a conversation with my dad. And I went there expecting, he adopted me when I was very little, by the way. I went there expecting this conversation to go something along the lines of, I know I adopted you, but I'm done with you. I don't want to be involved anymore. That's what I was expecting. That's where the situation was, right? And I'm getting ready to go have this conversation. I knew for about a week I'd kind of planned that I was going to go talk to him, so I talked to some guys uh, at my church, some people that I looked up to and admire and respect, and I said, hey, I need you guys to pray and fast with me. I gave them, you know, here's, here's what's going on, and I shared that with them. I'm expecting to go and have him, and that's not what I want. I love my dad. We're just at this weird spot, right? And on the drive to my parents' house, the Holy Spirit gave me um, a divine word about something that I needed to do for my dad when I got there. And so I called my wife, and I was like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And she was like, all thumbs up, good for it. And I get to my dad's house. I sit down, and we start our conversation, and immediately it is not going well. And I went, I'm going to stop you right there. And I did the thing that the Holy Spirit told me to do. My dad starts to weep. And my dad lets me know that he was expecting me to show up at his house and tell him that I no longer wanted to be a part of his life. The devil's good at what he does. Because here you have a son and a father who both feel like the other person wants to check out, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. I thought my dad was done, and what was actually causing the tension was that he wanted to be more involved in my life but didn't know how to say it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's weird that the devil can do that to us. And I went thinking this is going to be impossible. Like, I left my wife saying, I'm expecting to come home with my dad out of my life, right? Like, that is where the situation was. But one word from God, one word from God, one simple act of obedience, and that whole conversation shifted. And I'm not going to say my relationship with my dad is perfect because we're both human and that's just impossible. But I want you to know that God restored something that I thought was hopelessly broken. And, and he did it for my dad, who, by the way, is not a believer. That's how good God is, that we didn't even both have to be Christians for God to do a miracle. I want you to know that whatever storm is surrounding you, that Jesus is walking on the waves, and all you need is a word from him that you can cling to and you can be obedient to. And I'm telling you, I don't know how it will happen. I don't know what God will speak to you. I don't know how long it will take. But what I know 
Because that's who Jesus is. And that's what I'm convinced of. Some of you, maybe you're not here needing that kind of a miracle or that kind of an impossible thing to take place. Maybe some of you are here and you feel the Lord purposing you for something. Maybe there's a ministry that you feel like the Lord's giving you, something that you need to do maybe for just one person. You feel the Lord leading you to one person that you're supposed to have an impact in their life, but you're not really sure how to go about it. It seems like a really unrealistic goal for you. I want you to know Jesus is walking on the waters of that as well, and he's ready to call you into impossible things if you'll just look out there, see him, and ask him to call you out. Like, that's my favorite thing about Peter right here is his boldness. And I totally believe that it's because he's been down, like, he's like, I've been around the block, boys. I know how this works. If we get a word, we can do something. But we ain't stepping out of the boat without a word. I'm just telling you, we need the word, right? And so he knows that to be certain. And so when Jesus is like, it's just me, he says, well, call me to do the impossible with you because I've already seen you do it in my life. You sunk my boat. Like, I didn't really have an option to follow you at that point. Like, you sunk the boat, right? Like, I got to follow you. I really believe that sometimes we see little glimpses of this calling that Jesus is like, hey, it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to step out. I told you I'll make you fishers of men, which can happen a whole lot of different ways, by the way. I'm not an avid fisherman. I'm really not good at it, actually. My son, he's six. He loves it. To this day, I don't think he's caught a fish with me ever, but whenever he goes fishing with anyone else, he catches them all the time. So there's like a weird, i got to work this out with Jesus. But one thing I've learned from my six-year-old is depending on what kind of fish you want to catch, there's different baits, there's different times of the day you got to go fishing, you got to fish at different depths. Like, there's a bunch of different types of fish, and there's a bunch of different types of way to catch those fish. Here's the really cool thing. You're not like me, and I'm not like you, but there's a lot of fish in the world, and Jesus wants to catch them all, and so he's going to give each of us unique purposes because he told us when he called us. You're with me. You're going to follow me. I'm going to do an amazing work inside of you, and you're going to do an amazing work outside of you. Some of you are looking at what Jesus is calling you to, and you're going, I don't think it's possible. But yet if you looked up, you'd be like, I think that's Jesus out there. Is that Jesus? Can anyone else see that? Is that? I think it is Jesus if it's really you calling me. If it's really you, then call me out there. And the beautiful thing is the second you get a word, all you have to do is step. The moment you take a step and you just keep your eyes. And if you lose your sight of Jesus and you start to sink, you do what Peter did and say, Jesus, I looked away. And Jesus will pop you right back up. And guess what? He didn't get back to the beach and say, Peter, that was your last test, bro. Sorry. All you had to do was keep your eyes on me. And you failed. Peace. Nope, Jesus was like, where's your faith? You know what faith is? In its simplest form, faith is trust and belief. Do you trust what Jesus said? Do you believe him that he'll be faithful to? That's what it means. When Peter stepped out of the boat... He trusted and believed that what Jesus asked him to do, he was actually capable of doing it. Not because of him, but because of the one who called him. 
Because it's all about Jesus. This is the same Peter who, by the way, Jesus, this, I mean, it's the same one that Jesus would say, get behind me, Satan. It's the same one who would deny even knowing Jesus at Jesus' greatest moment of need in his life as he's being crucified. It's the same Peter. And Jesus didn't give up on him then. In fact, Jesus is just so much better than we could ever imagine. Peter says, I'll go with you even unto death. And Jesus looks right at him and says, actually, you will deny me three times before the rooster even crows, right? But then, but then Jesus doesn't stop there. He keeps going and he says, but when you've come back, when, you, when Jesus has so much confidence in what he's doing in our lives, he's like, I don't care how bad you mess up. When you come back, because you will, why? Jesus is just irresistible. I mean, you just, if, if Peter could not get Jesus to give up on him, you are just never going to make it happen. You're never going to make it happen. That's how good of a God that we serve. If I could encourage you with anything, it would be this. You absolutely belong with Jesus, even though you absolutely don't deserve it, just like I don't. That's how good he is, as he calls us anyways. You can absolutely be at the lowest point in your life, and Jesus looks at you and says, you're the number one pick. Let's go. Because it wasn't about what you were capable of anyways. It's what I'm going to make you capable of because of the work that I'm going to do in you. And then I want you to know it doesn't matter what age you are, where you're from, what your story is. You are one of Jesus' sent ones. And he's got a, to quote Loki, a glorious purpose for your life. Whether you got 70 years left on this planet or 17 years left on this planet, wherever you're at in that spectrum, there's a glorious purpose for you here, and it is in Christ Jesus. So don't be intimidated by the waves when you know your Savior's walking on top of him. Just ask him for a word. And when he gives you the word, have the faith to step out of the boat and see what Jesus does. I believe that you'll have your own miracle stories as well. And your miracle story will inspire somebody else's faith in Jesus, just like Peter's story inspires ours. Amen? Would you guys bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you for your son, and I thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us to everything that Jesus taught us, that he reveals to us the truth that Jesus gave us, that he reminds us of everything that Jesus has done and accomplished for us, that he brings to our remembrance the words of Jesus. And all we need is a word, Father. All we need is a word. I pray that right now, Father, for the people in this congregation, God, who need a word about restoration, in their lives, when relationships that they have, whether it would be with children in a marriage, whatever the situation may be where there needs to be reconciliation, maybe with a friend, Father. God, I pray that they would see Jesus walking on the waves of what they feel is impossible and that they would have the faith and the hope to ask Jesus to call them out there with him. That they could get a word from Jesus that could bring healing and restoration in their life, Father. 
because that's who you are and that's what you do. And Father, I pray for those uh, people here tonight, Father, who feel a, a pull and a draw into a purpose that you have for them, Father, one of those purposes that you created them for before the foundations of the earth, God, you knew the plan you would have for them. God, you knew the good work that you would create for them to do. You knew how to plan their life so that they could fulfill that good purpose in Christ Jesus. But it starts with their belonging in Jesus. they got to be with Jesus, and then Jesus will make them and send them. Father, I pray that tonight, no matter what you're leading them to, no matter what purpose you have in store for them, I pray that they also would have the courage to ask Jesus to call them out on the waves of this impossible thing because when we get out there in the impossible, we can experience miracles. We can experience miracles today because Jesus has not changed. So, Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. Jesus, I thank you that you choose us. You choose us and you do your work in us. And all we got to do is look to you and follow where you lead us. You are such a good Savior. And I thank you and I praise you for the work that you're doing in this church and in these people's lives, Father, in this community. We give you all the praise, honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And I don't know how you guys finish up here. Do you just, is that it? We'll see you Sunday morning and Sunday evening for that free food thing that's happening. Because God bless free food. Woo!